This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the Office of Pretoria Law in Tysons, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-hosts, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Tom McBride, Cressa, and Les Smolin, Vistage. And Les, could you please give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Uh, we have Annie Turner, Executive Director at Food for Others. We have Masha Sharma, co-founder and CTO at Real Adam. We have uh, Gotham Ijura. President at Alpha Omega Integration and Michael Brett, CEO at Q Branch. Like to introduce our first guest, our first guest, Annie Turner, Executive Director of Food for Others. Annie, what is Food for Others? What are you guys doing? We provide free food to those in need in Northern Virginia. On average, we feed about 1,500 families per week, mm-hmm. and in a year, we distribute about 2.2 million pounds of food. Where are you from originally? Originally from this area, Fairfax mm-hmm. County. And how many brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest of four. And what kind of s- uh-huh, youngest of four. And how many brothers, um, when you were a kid, what kind of sports were you playing? Uh, I was big into soccer. Mm-hmm. What was your role on the soccer team? I was a forward goal scorer. Uh, What's the personality trait of a forward goal scorer on a soccer team? The forward is the one that needs to just attack and uh go at the goal and Mm -hmm. and be successful for the team what's that tell us about your personality i'm not afraid of of taking chances or moving forward Mm -hmm. andrea where did you go to college annie i went to the university of virginia and what did you study while you were there civil engineering civil engineering and you are feeding people today correct (laughs) yes how does that how does that happen tell us about that So I've always followed my passions and things that I'm good at. Uh, When we moved back to this area, my husband and I started to volunteer through our church for Food for Others. We were neighborhood site volunteers, so we picked up food at the warehouse. We distributed to a street corner site. As soon as I pulled up to that site and saw the line of people waiting for food in my own neighborhood, I was hooked. I wanted to help. I wanted to figure out any way I could to feed people in our community. A lot of people, you know, feel that when they when they experience it once and then it fades and they move on. What gives you that drive to continue it professionally in your career? I think um, always wanting to make sure people in my community don't go to bed hungry. That's really important to me. Um, I. I loved my job, I loved um, being an engineer, but I just felt this overwhelming need to help out in the community and to do more. David, Um, what did your parents do? My dad is a chemical engineer slash lawyer. My mom is a high school teacher. And uh, what did you get from each of them? Uh, From my dad, I learned about, I learned that relationships are important for him, the family, was very important and I've extrapolated that to not just my inner family but also um, the people that work for me my community I learned that that was really important for my mom excuse me she was the one that ran the household she she never sat still Uh, and I think from her I learned that you have to be organized and you have to use you have to be very efficient with your time Mm -hmm. Tom what other, uh, hi Annie, what other uh, types of leadership roles did you experience or have or be thrust upon you when you were uh, in elementary school in that 8 to 15 year window? Uh, I took any student council, student government position. I was the captain of my team, um, was in Girl Scouts. Was, th- was this something that mom or dad sort of encouraged or is there a natural inclination that you have for this? How would you describe 
even wanting or finding yourself in those roles? I think it, it goes back to the fact that I'm the youngest of four kids and I wanted to compete. And if I saw them doing something, I wanted to do it even better. So I wanted to follow in their footsteps. But why, why, why being the youngest? Why does that have to do with you needing to compete? I think it's because your older siblings are always doing things first. They're always getting straight A's. And so you have to... Well, not everyone's older not siblings every- are getting straight A's. <laughs> Mine were. Uh, and I just wanted to carve a different path and um, create my own successes. And would you were at that age, was your dream to be the executive or president of food for food for others for non for profit? Is that where you f- saw your future? No, I never saw that. I wanted to be a pro soccer player when I was little, but um, that wasn't going to happen. And so, like I mentioned, I followed my passions. I did things that I was good at and ended up here. Mm-hmm. Ta- um, Les? Yeah, you, you had mentioned in the green room that uh, you found success early in your life. What did you mean by that? From a young age, I was good at playing soccer. And I think I realized at that time that if you worked hard at something, you could be successful. I also found that there were no limits. As long as I wanted to achieve something and I worked hard, I was able to attain it. Did somebody tell you that or did you discover that yourself? Nope, just self-discovery. And how does it translate into what you do now? That's a great question. So what I do today is always, I'm always striving the best to do the best with the resources we have as a nonprofit. And my drive is to feed one more person, Hmm. to always try to do the most I can in the community. So you don't settle? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This, This thing about feed one more person, where's that coming from? What's that all about? I think it's the competitive drive I've always had inside of me. To feed others? To help others. Give us an example. How young were you when this showed up to help others? Um, from a young age, we were taught to do food drives and provide food to places like Christ House or so others may eat, making sandwiches at school or through the Girl Scout troop doing service work. Uh, how'd you feel about doing that stuff back then? (laughs) Back then, I just did it. I didn't really think about it, but I think it became ingrained in me. And once I was a little bit older and I... What became ingrained in you? Serving others. Uh, And that feels fulfilling? Yeah. At a young age, I didn't realize it. But as I got older and I made the decision to do it on my own without someone telling me to do it, I realized how good it felt and how important it was. Was the seed of that something that was planted through your family or through your faith? Both. How did it get planted through your faith? Uh, I went to Catholic schools growing up, grade school and high school, and were always taught to serve others. You were always taught to serve others. You were told to serve others. But you really absorbed that lesson, didn't you? Mm-hmm. So you got it at home as well as you got it at uh, in, in through your faith. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, what's the best part of your day? <coughs> The best part of my day is when someone comes in. Just yesterday, we had a client who was in here, and we have a choice area in the warehouse where they're able to shop. Well, it's not temperature controlled. And she said, I'm so glad you're here. I just, I I use this food, and it really helps me to live. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry it's so cold out there today. And she said, I'm only out there a few minutes, and... It is so worth it, what you give us. And Mm -hmm. so that's one of the best parts. But I would also say I'm surprised that I'm saying this, that one of the other best parts is seeing how generous this community is. Mm. We have thousands of volunteers every year. And when they come into our warehouse and give of their time, that Uh inspires me. You married or single? Married. You have any kids? Three. Similarity between being the executive director of Food for Others and being a mom? What's the similarity there? There are a lot of similarities. What do you mean? So um, you're always dealing with chaos, <laughs> like as <laughs> being a going. parent. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's always chaos. There's always someone that's coming to you with an issue. 
you have to um, you have to nurture the people that work for you. It's very important to me. Well, wait, 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 wait. This is a nonprofit. If somebody's not doing their job, you just you fire them. No, it doesn't work that way, huh? It's about <laughs> nurturing people at home and as well as at, at the. Uh, do you ever get a chance to hang out with the people that you're helping? Not too often. Uh -huh. Not too often. Because, but yesterday you had an opportunity of working mm -hmm. with somebody like that. But you know, well, where's the dollar coming from? Where's the money coming from to fund this organization? We get a majority of our funding from individuals and businesses in the community. Mm -hmm. We also get grants from foundations and funding from Fairfax County. Gotcha. What's the uh, website address for Food for Others? Foodforothers.org. Let me have that one more time. Foodforothers.org. We've been speaking with Annie Turner, Executive Director of Food for Others here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. And your name is? Chuck Ockeltree. And Chuck, what organization are you with? The National Conference Center and West Belmont Place Event Center. Uh-huh. And what makes this organization special? The National Conference Center was built um, to be the nation's premier uh, meeting and event venue. Um, it's not a traditional hotel. Mm -hmm. So even though we have 900 guest rooms and all the services and amenities of a traditional hotel, mm -hmm. because of our size, mm -hmm. we're able to uh, deliver um, an environment that is very conducive to uh, learning, development. And who are your clients? Our clients are uh, many of the, the corporate 100, corporate 500, as well as uh, because of our location in Leesburg, Virginia, mm -hmm. we do a lot of business with Washington, D.C. Uh, government agencies. Mm -hmm. And what do you like about your job? What I like about uh, is we've had the opportunity to bring new leadership to the National Conference Center, blend with the tremendous service team that's built a reputation over the years uh, for great service. And uh, we've had a lot of fun um, helping our clients take advantage of the 65-acre campus. How about you personally? What, what do you enjoy about your job? I enjoy that, that we've uh, had a very, very, very successful turnaround in mm -hmm. uh, the two and a half years, mm -hmm. uh, taking the National Conference Center uh, from where it was in mm -hmm. 2014 with Excellent. the new, uh, new ownership, we've literally doubled the revenue. And what's, so. your, what's your role in the organization again? Uh, my role is Chief Marketing Officer. And what's that mean? It, good question. It means that uh, uh, we're involved with branding, mm -hmm. uh, everything to do with the sales, the marketing, the promotion, and um, the business development. So you're actually going out there and you're actually involved with helping bring in the clients. Exactly, yes. And sir. I guess the way you're doing that is you're actually talking to a lot of the clients, making sure that you know your services are valuable. We talk to a lot of the clients and we do a lot of uh, events as What's well. What's the website address of the organization? www.conferencecenter.com. Let me have that one more time www.conferencecenter.com. This has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Fred Diamond. And what organization are you with, Fred? I run the Institute for Excellence in Sales. What is that? What is the Institute for Excellence in Sales? We provide services for sales professionals at the senior level, mid-level, junior level. We have programs for women in sales and millennial in sales and sales teams. So, uh, and what are you doing for these folks? What kind of stuff do you help them with? We provide training, traditional training all around the world. We also bring uh, world famous sales thought leaders and authors to regions around the country to provide workshops and seminars for sales leaders. Huh, how long have you been doing this? We created the organization uh, about five years ago. And wh 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 why, why do you enjoy doing this? What, what turns you on about what you're doing for a living? Well, we are of service to the selling professional. We believe that sales is the most important department in any company and that uh, we're trying to make sales professionals' lives better and trying to help them improve the trade. Huh. And, and why, why do your customers keep coming back to you? Why would they come back or send their other people back to you? Well, we run amazing programs. Uh, sales training budgets have decreased, but we are bringing some of the top sales trainers around the world to sales teams. So, and what's the advantage of bringing the top sales trainers to these teams? Why don't you just do it all yourself? Uh, we're, we're able to bring some of the best in the world at a very reasonable cost to our members provide world-class sales training and uh, sales performance improvement to these organizations. So as opposed to keeping all the money for yourself and limiting only your words getting to your clients' ears, you're trying to make sure that they get the best of breed. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, we bring some of the top sales thought leaders in the world, Neil Rackham, Jill Conrath, Mark Hunter, two sales teams around the world. And wh where do you bring, where, where do you do these trainings? Well, locally in the Washington, D.C. region, we have a number of programs. Uh, every third Friday at the USA Today building in Tyson's Corner. Mm -hmm. We also have a women in sales program that's typically the second Excellent. Tuesday. What's the website address? I4ESBD, the letter I, the number four, ESBD. Excellent. Dot com? 
com or .org. There we go. Thank you. This has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Masha Sharma, co-founder and CTO of an organization known as Real Atom. What is Real Atom? What are you guys doing? Real Atom is a software as a service company for commercial real estate lending industry. Uh-huh. How large or how small is this team currently? Uh, we're a team of 17 right now. Uh-huh. Where are you from originally? Uh, Moscow. How many brothers and sisters? I have two older sisters. Uh-huh. And uh, didn't you find out about one of your sisters a little later on in life? E that's correct. I grew up with one sister. She's a year older. And I learned I had a, another sister when I was 10 years old. Uh -huh. How young were you when you came to the United States? 15. And uh, what was it like coming from uh, Moscow to the United States? I've experienced 15? a complete culture shock when I got here. Yeah, I guess being 15 doesn't make it any easier, especially when you're a girl and you're coming from Moscow. It's a different different culture, different. So wh what was it like adjusting? Was it really difficult for you? Actually, it was not. I adopted within six months. I learned English. I got a job and I made a lot of friends. Huh. Well, wh wh where'd you get a job? McDonald's. Um, wh what were you doing at McDonald's? Um, I was promoted to drive through very fast. So what were you doing different than the other kids that worked at McDonald's? Um, I was eager to learn and to express myself, and I was very kind to our customers. So you were kind to the customers, you worked hard, and uh, you also were very adaptable. I'm wondering, with this adaptability and this willingness to work hard, what's that have to do with being the co-founder of Real Atom? Um, as a technology startup or any startup, you have to be extremely flexible and adaptable to run the company, to adjust to market conditions, adjust to competition, adjust to uh -huh. um, technology Have you started issues. any other businesses? Um, I have started two other um, startups and uh, I ran a consulting company. Uh -huh. What did you learn from film school that helped you start these businesses? So I had to be very independent. We actually raised money for the film school. I wrote a screenplay and I um, acted uh, uh, in that screenplay as well. What's that have to do with building a business? Creativity. What are you talking about? Well, um, I'm a CTO, so I build product. P product starts uh, out of an idea, out of Wait nothing. I thought code was you just fill in the little boxes and stuff. Um, but that creates real functionality, real product, real usability, and eases the pain of the customer. Oh, now I understand. Andrea? You mentioned earlier that you were very happy to find your sister. Tell us more about that. What was that like? I don't think I realized then how happy I was. I realized later as I got older that uh, I have another sister, and, and that's my tribe. So I got to add someone else to my tribe that's just like me. Tell us more about that. Um, she's eight years older than I am, and we became extremely close. We still uh, visit each other uh, once a year. So forming a tribe, how does that forming a tribe translate to running a business today? Well, you have to hire the people and surround yourself with people that are not only like-minded, but that add value and, and got your back. So that's my tribe. Great. And, and your tribe at home is your mother. Tell us a little bit more about her. My mom is an exceptional person. She, growing up with her, she was a poet and a journalist. And she immigrated. She came to the United States when I was 13 years old. She came all on her own as a young woman. And she was able to transition herself into software engineering, specifically uh, PLC called development, um, working for large companies like IBM and PricewaterhouseCoopers. How did, how did, so poetry to software engineering, how does she do that? She had a degree in philology, so it's a lot of logic, if then else. Uh, and that's very translatable into code. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the creativity that you have today. Is Does that come from mom as well? It comes from mom, dad, and everyone that was around us as I was growing up. David, um, tell us about your father. Um, my father is a philosopher, and uh, he is a methodologist, which is the study of systems and processes uh, and applying that to the real world. So between mom and dad, you were natural for what you do today? Absolutely. Okay. And uh, what other mentor helped you uh, in, in your Work. So my very first uh, software engineering um, career started as an intern at a local company called M23, and the founder of the company, Scott Mendenhall, um, was a tremendous influence on me. He basically threw us into a project, and I worked at PBS Video building their search engine. I worked uh, for BBC America, PNC Bank. 
where I had to be the project manager, the product manager, and the software engineer, and just seeing how he ran the company and, and being involved in the culture building and um, uh, entrepreneurship overall, it gave mm -hmm. me that spark. Thomas? Where does this, uh, you're, you grew up in Russia, you came over as a teenager, where does this confidence or even knowledge base of maneuvering uh, the interpersonal skill set of, of help, helping manage people through uh, and, and informing them of this correct process versus the incorrect process. Where, where do you think that came from? So Your I think, ability to do that. I think that's from my father and building these micro systems to lead me through and building processes. I think that's a tremendous... But that's uh, very technical, but if you're managing people, you also have to have this sort of uh, touchy-feely skill set that allows you to be uh, able to deliver these things, these messages, and get an effective result. Yeah. Well, I'm an em empath by nature, and, and part of that, I think, comes from my religious upbringing. Uh, part of it is from just growing up in the country where freedom of thought was forbidden, and um, that which was kind of front line was not what my family was about. Um, we had to support each other and almost hide what the, our real selves were. For example, I had to hide the fact that I was religious at school. Huh. How, uh, how important is your intuition in uh, business? I think it's extremely important and I need to listen to it more. What do you mean? Um, I tend to go with the facts before intuition and mm. I would say 60% of the time I find out my intuition was right mm -hmm. and the facts were wrong. And you, when you grew up in Russia, you didn't have a chair. It was a different environment. Uh, how's it different than here in terms of intuition and everything else? What are you talking about? Well, in, in Russia at the time, Soviet Union, everything had to be done sort of the same way. Uh, everyone had to think the same way, read the same books and follow a certain path, right? You join the party as you're a young person or older. Um, fortunately, my parents were not like that. And I think my ability to step out and think in a different way comes from that. Do you, do you think when your mother uh, attacked a, a poem that she wrote out the uh, line numbers and then the form of it first and then started to fill it with words and, and a rhyming pattern that she thought felt better or did she start with the structure? No, neither. So um, she channels it from the above. It's as if the words are being poured into her heart and then she writes it. Wow, she's all about her intuition, isn't she? Lester? Yeah, when, when you came here, uh, y your mom brought you over and your other sister? Correct. What was your role in the family there? My role? Yeah. What I role was a peacemaker. What do, you, what do you mean, peacemaker? Um, my sister was always the troublemaker, and uh, she'd get in trouble, and there'd be fights, and I'd be the one trying to neutralize the situation. Uh, so what's so that maybe that's where you learned how the, this ability to maneuver that Tom was talking about. Uh-huh. Lester? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. But but you also made a comment in the green room about being a protector as well. I didn't like arguments and I didn't like screaming matches, so I felt it was my responsibility to step up. Mm -hmm. So how does that translate into what you do now, the role you play in the organization? Um, absolutely. So I'm a consensus builder. I like to hear everyone's opinion and I'd like to for there to be sort of a common understanding and a... And a um, uh -huh. Common ideas. Uh, Masha, how high is up? Do you plan to retire sometime? N I haven't thought about that, no. You think you're ever going to retire? Maybe when I have great-grandchildren. So it's not, but, but, but so you, you enjoy work? I love working. Uh-huh. So it's not necessarily for the money. Um, I don't think of work as work in itself. To me, it's just another creation. It's another idea I'm bringing to life, and that, that's my passion. What's your passion? Creating. And it just so happens it's in business with people, pulling people around ideas. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Uh -huh. Is there a film in there? There may be a film in the future. I do like to visualize things. Uh -huh. What's the website address of this organization? It's realatom.com. Let me have that one more time. Realatom, A-T-O-M, dot com. Realatom.com. We've been speaking with Masha Sharma who is the CTO and co-founder of Real Adam here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. That's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this quick break. 
And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We're continuing to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Well, Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And wh- what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, The conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on at one end of our business. And at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohn. We'd like to introduce Gotham Azure, who's the president of Alpha Omega Integration. Gotham, what is Alpha Omega Integration? We are a system integrator. Mm-hmm, a system integrator, huh? And how large or how small is this business? We're about 200, a little over 200, providing IT modernization for the federal government. Uh-huh. How'd you get a job with this company? I raised some money and uh, bought two businesses. Uh-huh. You raised the money and put two businesses together. All right. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm from India. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I have a sister who's one year older than uh-huh. me. Uh-huh. And you have an older sister. And tell me, how young were you when you started taking risks in India? At the age of 15, I started a nightclub in Bangalore. You started a nightclub when you were 15 in India. Okay. Where'd the money come from? Um, I used the money from a few of my rich friends. Mm-hmm. So you were comfortable, you got comfortable raising money when you were 15. It sounds to me like that helped you... 
acquire these two businesses uh, that you're currently running. Yes, I mm-hmm. use that money to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent. Buy, Andrea? Uh, Tell me about your mother. My mo- mother was a homemaker, and uh, the leadership traits that I think I have today are from my mom. She had the big picture vision, and everybody else in the family just played small, miniature, low roles to come up to that big picture. Give me an example of that. Um, yeah, just the fact that she wanted my career, my sister's career, and my dad's, um, I guess, career move in a particular direction that would help us reach where we were. It seemed like she had an idea that we would be, you know, my sister and I would be successful in our different lives and that we had to play a certain role to get there. She had a vision for you. For me and everybody else in the family. And where does that play in in your work today? Uh, You know, just the fact that, you know, she was adamant that I went to a good school. I was well-educated. My, I would rather be proficient in English than my local language. I would follow a path into engineering. Mm -hmm. Do you have a vision for the company? Is there a a parallel there? Absolutely. I, by 2023, I want us to be a half a billion Mm -hmm. revenue per year company. Well, you're driven. Uh, Tom, what are you thinking? Well, uh, you just described your mom as as what I would describe, and you can agree or not, as a selfless uh, person in your life. To a large extent, Tom. Right? Building, building, building you up. Uh, and 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 your and your siblings and your father, um, what was the reaction from mom and dad with this business you started, uh, the disco? Mm-hmm. Could you say that again? Well, what was the, what was their reaction? I mean, were they were they excited? My parents w- weren't very happy about <laughs> when they came to know that I had a disco. Okay, and but was it a successful venture? I thought it was a great money making venture. Uh, I made more money than than I could spend when I was 15 years old. So there was a success, but what what drove you to do disco opposed to you know a landscaping company or a newspaper delivery or something a little bit more square and in the box? You you chose a a nightclub. You know, I, I back in the green room, I was just answering Andrea. Um, with with uh, landscaping companies, you make a little money, but with uh, discotheques, you make a lot more, and you do become famous as Lester? well. <laughs> you came here uh, to the U.S. You were 22 years old. Why did you come here? I think uh, what really appealed to me is the freedom. Freedom to, you know, be constrained in what I wanted to do. But you um, had so much going for you in, in, in India. I mean, your father was very successful in the government. And you gave all that up? Uh, what? Because I wanted to be something by myself. I wanted to be a self-made man. And the opportunity to be a self-made man has always been very uh, passionate for me. Mm-hmm. David? You mentioned in the green room your father was a, a government official, and so um, he it was kind of by the book. My dad was absolutely by the book. Okay, but you had um, an uncle who wasn't, who thought outside the box. Tell us about that. Sure. I feel my dad was by the book, but his ideas were also uh, not questioning the status quo. I had an uncle who would venture outside outside from what all, I mean, you know, from the normal type of thinking and think of innovative ideas. That really appealed to me. And and that's what I've kind of uh, inculcated in my life, in my work as well. So you're innovating yourself uh, through your your business. Innovating myself, having a business that focuses on innovations uh, with uh, disruptive innovations, changing the way the government systems and infrastructure works. How do you identify that you, what do you guys do differently? We, when it comes to uh, federal system integration, we think of changing the way things work. Think of ideas that work like Uber did to taxis. Think of ways in which you could modernize IT systems to reach the end objective, things that other people haven't thought about. There's a a parallel there to what you just said about your youth and with your interaction with your dad, sort of by the book, and you're trying to sort of pivot out and do it a little bit differently and better. Absolutely. I feel that growing up, I, you know, there were three things that uh, I always did, question the status quo, um, try to be innovative. And then these things kind of work. Is in my innovation favor today. W- rewarded back home where you grew up? 
I, in a developing country, um, there isn't a lot of room for innovation. Um, India is a lot more socialist than than here, and and so um, you tend to not get rewarded for innovation. I feel there is a lot more um, rewards for innovation here in an American corporate world. Andrea. You you came here to the United States alone, and and you mentioned in the green room you came here for freedom, and and you share you shared with us a, a real passion for the United States. Tell sure. us a little bit more about about that, um, Andrea. So I you know sold my motorbike back home, and with one eighty five dollars, I landed up in Newark, New Jersey, with an I twenty. Um, I spent the first day trying to get an assistantship, and uh, I was able to get and fully paid assistantship from the uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology uh, in the environmental engineering field. And the reason I mentioned this, Andrea, is because from my first day until 22 um, years later, I have felt this country has always given me an opportunity and continues giving me an opportunity. I feel now it's time for me to return the favor. And, and the reason I feel passionate about my business, the re I mean, what appeals to me every morning is an opportunity to give back to this country. Hmm. To give back to this country? H how do you give back to this country? You know, being in the federal contracting space, albeit we are in a set-aside program today uh, where we have certain kind of reservations, um, but I feel by growing this business in the federal IT um, sector, I have an opportunity to bring about a paradigm shift in the way the government systems and infrastructure works. Mm -hmm. I feel that's my chance to give back. Thomas? Is there any uh, anything noteworthy or unique that uh, relative to the name Alpha Omega's integration? Tom, uh, Tom, great question. Alpha Omega comes from the first and the last alphabet, I mean, from first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Right. It stands for an end-to-end -end integration a complete solution or a well thought of complete solution to our customers' problems. Gotham, if you look back, what is it that you learned about yourself in India that actually allowed you to have the success you're having here? You know, uh, growing up, uh, Lester, I, the thinking, thinking outside the box, questioning the status quo attitude always got me into trouble. I always thought of some innovative way that would somehow land me in trouble with my parents. Today I feel by rechannelizing this to a profitable uh, growing business that I could achieve a lot more and I could achieve a lot more to help um, you know, different sections mm -hmm. of, of society. Mm -hmm. That's interesting that, um, so you were the kid who thought outside the box that would uh, that wasn't fully appreciated for his innovative ideas by his parents, and one of the reasons you wanted to come to the U.S. was for the freedom, for the ability to really sink your teeth in the stuff. Is that right? Yes, I, I um, you know, when you have innovative ideas and you, those innovative ideas aren't appreciated, um, you look for avenues where you can um, you can use those innovative ideas mm -hmm. for one ultimate purpose. But, th but that came a lot from your your upbringing. Your dad yeah. had a very successful career sure. in government, which what's the what's the website address, Gotham, for uh, this organization known as Alpha Omega Integration? It's Alpha Omega Integration dot com. Let me have that one more time. Alpha Omega Integration dot com. You can speak with Gotham Azure, president of Alpha Omega Integration, here on Executive Leaders Radio. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next 
great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm -hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer Uh than that, baby. So do you have to to work the weekends and stuff like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this organization. Sure, it's balsambid.com. And and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, have that website address one more time. Balsambid.com. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. One help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michael Brett, who is the CEO of Q Branch. Michael, what is QBranch? What are you guys doing? Uh, QBranch is a data analytics company, and uh, we're mm-hmm. particularly involved in a new technology called quantum computing. Hmm. Uh, how large or how small is this company? Uh, we're about 20 people right now. And where are you from originally? I grew up in Australia. And how many brothers and sisters? I've got a younger sister and a younger brother. All right. You're the oldest of three. And how young were you when you started making money? Uh, so a buddy and I, we started selling sodas around the uh, high school when we were about 12. Uh, you started selling sodas when you were in high school, about 12. What ended up happening to that business? Uh, we ran that all the way through to the, the end of high school. And then once, uh, once we wrapped up, that was the end of that business. So you ran, so wh- how, whose idea was this? How'd you get the idea for it? Uh, we wanted to, uh, essentially, uh, make use of the time that we had in high school in a more profitable way while we're mm-hmm. hanging around at lunchtime. So you were pretty good at sensing demand, sensing supply and demand. Exactly. You figured everybody would buy sodas, so you figured you'd sell them. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Andrea? When did you come to the United States? I lived here when I was 30. 30. And uh, tell us about that. Uh, so the first part of my career was in aerospace engineering, and I was working with a group of people in that industry, and we decided to start a new business together, and I wanted to move to the U.S. to do that. Why'd you pick the United States? Uh, the U.S. is the biggest market in the world, and uh, for the type of work that we wanted to do, I wanted to compete in the big leagues. I wanted to be a part of the, the big market to do that and to uh, see success at that level. And so the whole team followed you? Uh, some of the team are still back in Australia, but uh, we are headquartered here in Washington, D.C. 
Mm-hmm. That's a big leap of faith to move halfway across the world and start a new venture. What it's was that like? Uh, it's a little scary, but it's it's been a joy uh, all throughout the process. Uh, the, the environment here is fantastic for it. Got a lot of support mm-hmm. uh, to do Thomas? that. Thomas? What was life like for a, uh, you know, 8, 10, 12-year-old in, uh, I guess, small small town in Australia? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a small town. Uh, so it was during the 90s, so we, we didn't quite have internet yet, but we were getting a lot of uh, American media coming through TV and so the big sport was basketball Michael Jordan was the the hero of the time and so we, we got a window into the world no Andrew that. Gaze fan <laughs> uh, yeah he was the the captain of the Australian team uh, and so were there dreams to come to America at that point or was there uh, any pop culture infiltration of you know the American dream starting a business coming to the US anything like that at that point I think the thing that really changed it for me is that uh, my family did an exchange program with another family um, based in, in Canada when I was 11. And so we wow. kind of swapped lives for a year. And so I, I got to move to North America. Uh, I got to see a lot more of the world. It's the first time I'd been on an airplane, first time I'd, I'd been to another country, first time I saw snow. And, and so did that have up. a... It sounds like that had a lasting impact. A uh, huge impact on me. I got to like uh, open my eyes to the world and uh, gave me a a sense of stepping outside my front door and, and being a, but an explorer. Who, was, who in your family was spearheaded that? That's sort of an out-of-the-box, interesting yeah, thing to I, do. Uh, Mom, s- dad? Or? So uh, I, had an unc- I have an uncle who uh, fell in love with an, a nice Canadian girl and, and moved off to, to Canada. And so my family wanted to go visit him. And so my parents found a way to make that happen by being a part of this exchange Maybe. program. So exploration um, opened your eyes at age 11, and, and, and how does that uh, portray or, or roll out in your business every day? Yeah, I think some of the work that we do is, is very explorative. We're at the, the cutting edge of R&D into this quantum computing technology, and so we're exploring a, a whole new field in science and technology as we do that, and so that's, that's always been a part of my mindset. So you've always been an explorer? Since I think so, yeah. Okay. Oldest of three kids parents were school teachers elementary must and in a small community how did that impact you uh so we couldn't really get away with much uh you know all of my teachers knew my parents extremely well so any trouble that we would get into at school would get reported back immediately and so i think what i learned was like how to negotiate with adults and and how to uh, navigate in an environment where uh, you know, there was a lot of authority above me, but I could um, I could work within that. What, what's that got to do with what you do now? Well, so I'm a relatively young CEO, uh, but I'm working in an environment where I'm dealing with counterparts in in enterprise that are that are older and more experienced than me, and so being able to work with them and uh, use those skills that I, I guess I learned at a young age. Well, uh, not only that, but helpful. you're also, as you said, you're competing in the big leagues. You came to the uh, to America to, to basically make your mark. With a company, and you're 31 years old when you're doing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is it about you that enabled you to have the confidence to go do all this stuff and not risk the failure of coming and then having to go back home with your tail between your legs? <laughs> I, I think I'm very comfortable with a certain level of risk, and, and maybe that level of risk is a little higher than what most people calibrate to. Where does that come from? Um, I think growing up, uh, you're my mother was, uh, she's the professional warrior in the family. And so she'd be very worried for the kids and what we were all up to and what was going on in our lives. And like, that was fantastic as a, as a parent. Like we, we, mm-hmm. we got a lot of comfort out of that. But I think our, our way to rebel against that was to be more comfortable with the risk than she was mm-hmm. and, uh, and to, to be more accepting of that. Are mom and dad aware of uh, what you're doing nowadays? Uh, yeah, certainly. We talk all the time. Uh-huh. And what's mom's reaction to it? Uh, I think she's she's very proud. She's very supportive. Uh, she often pinches herself about what I'm up to and, and what's going on in my life. It's not something that my parents could have imagined could have been possible uh, back then, but they've seen it seen it unfold and uh, they're very happy with, with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Who's got the next question it, here? If you were, uh, it's interesting, if you were a failure, what do you think the reaction from your mom or your dad would be? Would it be any different? No different at all. And in fact, you know, I think that failure is a part of entrepreneurship and what we're doing. And I, I feel like I've stepped on plenty of landmines uh, along the way uh, and and have learned from those and have kept progressing. And that uh, no matter what I do, my parents are very supportive uh, of that. 
How does that affect your role in terms of building the team, the fact that your parents were supportive? Uh, I think I take a very similar mindset to how we build the team at QBranch. Um, one of the things that I highly value is the, the diversity of opinion and the diversity of ideas that we're able to bring. And in, in we've got a multinational team to begin with. Um, and so that competition for ideas and uh, cohesiveness across the team is extremely important to us. So you felt the cohesive environment at home and therefore you're comfortable with the diversity of opinions at the office. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't have to be your way or the highway. Uh, I've got a saying that in the company, my driving ambition is to be the dumbest guy in the company by far. And, uh, and so far, I've been successful at that. <laughs> We've been hiring people smarter than me every step of the way, and that's, that's helped us grow. Where would you get the confidence to get people that are smarter than you around you? I think the whole benefit of being a boss is you can control everything. Uh, th the only thing that I can control is who we hire and, and the kind of culture that we set. And uh, I, if we're going to take on the kind of hard problems that we're doing and work in the kind of technology that we, we are working in, It'll be because of a team effort, and so hiring how young, that staff. How young is were you when you were showing this old soul wisdom? <laughs> uh, I, I guess through my twenties, I was working in the uh, the aerospace sector, and so I was seeing a lot of science and technology um, pathways unfolding there. That I, I think I've absorbed and adapted into what we do I today. So. Thomas, well, that was going down that path to say wh where what modeling from your parents gave you this this humble. Uh, sort of uh, grounded confidences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and you know, wh what's the, what's your parents' background that informed that to pass that on to you? So, my parents and my family have always highly valued education. My parents are both elementary school teachers, and one thing I I took from my my dad in particular is he's uh, an extremely uh, smart guy with a with an excellent memory. He's the type of guy that would always win like the pub trivia nights and uh, and and would have a an encyclopedic knowledge about the world, but would do so in a humbling kind of teaching kind of way and and take the time to educate the people around him and, and especially us kids about why why that was so. And and I think I learned an ability to explain things from him uh, and to value that knowledge. And, and if you're an elementary school teacher, you probably don't, you're not successful probably just sort of barking about what you know, you ha right? You've got to sort of take a different approach. You've got to learn how to do it and be able to explain it to others and, mm -hmm. and take that next step further. So, mm -hmm. we, But we definitely always got our math homework done. Um, <laughs> Michael, what's the website address for this organization known as QBranch? So it's QBranch.com and it's spelled uh, Q-X-B-R-A-N-C-H. Q-X. We've been speaking with Michael Brett, CEO of QBranch, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Les, can you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with? Sure, we have Annie Turner, Executive Director at Food for Others, uh, Masha Sharma, Co-Founder and CTO at Real Adam. We had uh, Gotham Ijor, President at Alpha Omega Integration, and Michael Brett, CEO at QBranch. Excellent. I would like to thank my co-hosts, David Kunzman, Pretoria Law, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, Tom McBride, Cressa, and even Les Small and Vistage for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hopefully providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show. What is the website address for uh, Pretoria Law, which is hosting us today? Uh, it's uh, PretoriaLaw.com, P-R-O-T-O-R-A-E, Law.com. Excellent. We've been, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, don't forget to visit our website. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.